Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. It's great to be back with all of our listeners again. And we at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha, we greet you. And we're so thankful that we have this opportunity to be with you to open up God's Word and study a little bit more closely. At the end of the program today, I'll give you the information, as I always do, as to how to contact us. And so have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. Jot down that information and then contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that we always offer through the regular postal mail. It is free. We'll take care of the postage. And all you have to do is ask. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready and then jot that down and then follow through and give us a call or send us an email text message, whatever, go to our website and you can contact us through the email link there. But give us, give us, get with us and let us send you that free Bible study and or the CD of today's program. We want to get God's word out and that's just another way that we can do it. And again, when we say free, we mean free. We don't want you to send us anything for it. We're not here to get your money. We're here to spread God's word. Now, We are really blessed to have the opportunity to be together in the airwaves of radio on a daily basis, and that's not something that is enjoyed by everybody all over the world. In some countries, well, that's taboo to be getting on the radio and teaching God's Word on a regular basis. In other areas, their radio uh, communication may be somewhat limited. We're so blessed in this country to be able to turn on the radio every day, tune in this particular station at this particular time and be able to listen to God's Word being broadcast, being studied, being explained, being dug into. We should never take that for granted. Things could change. As I said, in other parts of the world, well, things are not what we're used to here. We kind of take things for granted, all of our freedoms. We should never do that because freedoms can be lost. They can be taken away. They can be dealt with carelessly. And then because of that, they're, they're lost. So let's take advantage of the opportunity we have to get into God's word through this medium of radio and really dig deep and try to learn. We want to help you get to heaven. Bottom line, nothing matters in this life, in this world, except getting to heaven. That doesn't mean there aren't some other important things, but if we take care of a whole lot of other important things and we don't get to heaven, then our life has been a failure, an utter failure. So that's what really matters. We want to help you get to heaven. As we study God's word together, your faith should be growing because as we keep emphasizing, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And as your faith grows, you should be coming closer to God And our prayer is that you ultimately will come to him through Jesus Christ, his way for forgiveness and salvation, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, surrendering to him in baptism so the blood that he shed on the cross so long ago can cleanse you personally of the guilt of your sins. And you can be be that new creation. You can be made new, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. You can be reborn spiritually, get a do-over from a spiritual perspective on your life, and 
Jesus talked about that as being necessary in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. We really want to help you get to heaven. So we do pray that you are learning and that you're growing in your knowledge of God's word and thereby growing in your faith of God and of Christ and of the Holy Spirit. We encourage you also to go to our website or encourage your friends to go to our website at churchofchrist.com churchofchrist.com. You can scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and in about one minute, you can enroll in our podcasting. It's all free, all free. And then you will receive on your device, whatever device you choose, your computer, your laptop, your pad, your tablet, your smartphone, whatever it is, you will receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, our daily Bible study called Today's Bible Class, and all of our radio programs. So encourage your friends to do that, and you do that yourself. And that will be another way that you can access all kinds of Bible study materials. Tremendous opportunity. And again, it's all free. Now, we're going to move into the next section of our study on God's grace. We've been looking at this in quite a bit of detail and at considerable length. Now, I don't want to make this too tedious, but at the same time, I'm afraid that most people probably really don't have a good, proper understanding of God's grace. And at the same time, I'm afraid that there is not nearly enough teaching from an accurate perspective as to what the Bible teaches about God's grace. We, as human beings, from a, as far as our spiritual well-being is concerned, we are totally dependent upon God's grace. If we want to be in heaven with him, that's only going to happen by God's grace. Now, as I've emphasized repeatedly through this study, in different sections of this study, that does not mean we do not have anything to do with the equation. No, God expects us to be obedient to him, to his teachings. He expects us to have faith in him and his son. He expects us to come to him his way. As we've pointed out, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. Christ went to that cross by God's grace. When we have come to God through Christ in those obedient and faithful ways, then God saves us. He is the only one who saves us. We're saved totally by his grace. But for us to receive that salvation by his grace, we must come to him his way. And that is in faithful obedience, including our repentance and our being baptized for the remission of our sins. Remember that when Peter and the other apostles were preaching on Pentecost, that first recorded gospel sermon as the church came into existence on this earth, they were asked, what shall we do by many of those Jews gathered on that day in Jerusalem? And Peter said, repent. You see, some people would say, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you're supposed to do. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. Your night's not dependent upon anything you can do. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach. Peter did not respond by saying any of those things. He said, repent. But then that wasn't all he said. 
And then he said, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So God expects you to come to him on his terms. And that means you've got to be not just believing in God, but you have to be ready to be faithful to God, repenting of your sins and obeying his teachings. Now, as we've pointed out a number of times in this study, it's very difficult to adequately, to adequately define God's grace. Classic definition again, unmerited or undeserved favor from God to us. In other words, God extends his favor toward us when we don't deserve it, we haven't earned it, and there's no way that we can earn it. We don't have it coming. But again, those mere words really do not do the subject of God's grace justice. We could think of God's love. We could think of God's goodness, his mercy, his kindness, all as being a part of God's grace. And again, it may, it may be easier to understand God's grace by simply observing it in action rather than trying to define it in technical terms. And the greatest example of, God, of God's grace, as I pointed out a moment ago, is his sending Christ to the cross to die as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Through his death on the cross, we have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and to be saved in him. Now, we did not deserve that gift on God's part. And remember, it is a gift. That's part of God's grace, the idea of his grace again. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So our opportunity to be saved is an offer of a gift from God. But again, we've got to come to him his way, on his terms. Now, we could not have expected God to send Christ to the cross. We did not deserve his sending Christ to the cross. But he did it for us anyway. He did it for us anyway, and that is God's grace. Now, we receive the offer of forgiveness and salvation as a gift from God, again, totally by his grace. But now my faith comes into play as to my being a recipient of God's grace. This section of our study on God's grace, I've called God's grace and my faith. God's grace and my faith. As I've said before, many people in teaching on God's grace, they seem to believe and they seem to teach that there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we're supposed to do. It has nothing to do with us in terms of our salvation. It's all God's grace and that's none of us. Well, all God, none of me, if we understand what that means, yes. We cannot save ourselves. Only God saves us. But if we're talking about absolutely nothing that we're supposed to do or that God expects of us or holds us accountable for, and then we get saved anyway, that's not what the scriptures teach. 
God's grace and my faith. How can I expect God's grace without having faith in God? The Hebrews writer says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, I must have faith in God if I want God's grace to save me. And Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. John 8 and verse 24. I must have faith in Christ as God's son and my savior if I want to be saved by God's grace. Faith. Now faith, that's a deep subject. Some people think it's just believing in God and believing in Christ. But now real faith, saving faith, goes much deeper than that. And it includes my obedience. It includes my lifestyle, my dedication, my service. Well, God doing what he did so we can be forgiven, so that we can be saved, from a human perspective, that's almost unbelievable. God gave the life, the physical life of his son on the cross so we could be forgiven? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to sacrifice your son so that even one other person could be forgiven? I think I probably know the answer to that. Would you be willing to give the life of your son for a person who is a heinous, horrible, wicked sinner on an ongoing basis? I think I know the answer to that, and so do you. But now let's multiply that. What if you said, or what if the question is, would you be willing to give the life of your son, to sacrifice the life of your son, to pay the price for the guilt of all of the sinners, the, including the worst of the worst, for all time? Would you be willing to do that? I think I know the answer to the question, and so do you. You'd say, what? You expect me to give the life of my son? To pay the price for the guilt of the worst of the worst? The guilt of murderers, thieves, rapists, pedophiles? The list would go on and on. You expect me to sacrifice my son for them? There's no way you would do that. No way. But God did exactly that for you and for me and for all mankind. Let's turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. And I want us to read verses 3 through 7. The Apostle Paul wrote, For we ourselves were once also foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Sound familiar? Probably every one of us could certainly point to one or more 
of those descriptions of sin in our lives as applying to us individually. But we certainly could look at the entire list and say, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's people all around us. That's people all over the world, guilty of one or more or maybe most of those particular sinful practices and lifestyles. Paul goes on in verse 4 and he says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Again, Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. God doing what he did so that we could be forgiven so that we could be saved, so that we could have eternal life with him in heaven, it's almost unbelievable. As I suggested, trying by way of illustration to get across the depth of God's grace, his mercy, his love for us, by asking, would you do that? Would you give up the life of your son? Would you put him on a cross? have him nailed there by his detractors, having his enemies stand below him, hanging on that cross, just hurling insults at him, taunts, challenges, criticism. There's no way you'd do that. But God did exactly that. He let Jesus, the man, but also Christ the Savior, die that agonizing, torturous, dragged-out death of crucifixion on that cross so that he, in that sacrifice, Christ, in that sacrifice, could pay the price for the guilt of your sins and my sins and the sins of all humanity for all time. That's an almost unbelievable gift from God and sacrifice by our Lord and Savior. Look at the sin we are guilty of again. And this is just one list that Paul lays out for us in different ones of his letters. He, he lays out several in different letters. But look at this one. Again, it's just representative. It's not all-inclusive. But it gives us an idea of the depths and depravity of the sin, of the sinfulness of mankind. And here he's writing this now. He's writing this to Christians. And he's writing this about Christians. About our former lives before we became Christians. Before we were forgiven. Before we were redeemed by the blood of Christ, before we were reborn spiritually, saved. He says, we ourselves, <clears throat> Paul's not pointing fingers at just other people. He's including himself here. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, 
Does that describe you at any time in your life? <laughs> Repeatedly so, doesn't it? Serving various lusts and pleasures. Well, we struggle with those, don't we? Living in malice and envy. Hateful and hating one another. We see it all around us, don't we? We struggle with pretty much every one of those temptations to sin. And probably every one of us have given in to a number of those at different times in our life. Paul goes on, though, and he says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared... Here's God's kindness toward us. Again, think of the sin. Think of all the sins you've ever committed. Could you write them down on a piece of paper? <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to get more pieces of paper, wouldn't you? Think about that sin back in the garden that initiated the sinfulness of mankind. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, and of course it's the devil in the form of the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Why did they know they were naked? They were no longer innocent. They were sinners now. Why did they commit that sin? Was it just the devil hoodwinked them? Well, he certainly lured them in, and he presented them with a tempting temptation. temptation, But you see, he told them, this is going to make you like God. Can you imagine the imagination of Adam and Eve running through their minds at that particular time? We're going to be like God? They ate the fruit. Now, what the devil told them, you will know good and evil, that immediately became a reality because they had transgressed into evil. They had sinned. They had sinned. They had disobeyed God. And in that way, to an extent, they had turned their backs on God. Now they were sinners, and they had no hope in and of themselves of removing that sin and that guilt. We'll come back next time, and we'll continue this particular section of our study. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much for loving us. And Father, even though we don't deserve it, we thank you for your offer of grace through which we can be forgiven and saved. Please 
Help us to come to you for that grace in your way through Jesus Christ. Give us your guidance, Father, please. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Please, Father, we pray. Please forgive us. And may your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. Please hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.